Oh, I'm falling from the sky. Oh no, it's uh, I'm I'm in 1990. <laughs> it's Nine. not even a 90s movie. Oh, it looks like it. That's a good point. It's a 2001. Uh, we didn't do any research, which is good because we don't want to be just regurgitating facts. No, 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 no. I am going to have IMDb open just in case I forget anybody's name as my want. Okay. What's our movie today, Kelly? Uh, it is uh, Kate and... Kate and Leopold. Leopold. Or or just Leopold. Yeah. If you took out Kate, this movie would have been much better. Okay. So let's get this. Let's get this out of the way right off the bat. This is the only movie I don't like Meg Ryan in. I'm just going to say uh, it. There's a lot of movies that I need to show you. That <laughs> <laughs> um, off the top of my head, Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. When um, Harry Met Sally. When Harry Met Sally, yes. Uh-huh. Um, we've got Joe vs. Volcano, yeah. Sleep, Sleepless in Seattle, Sense and Sensibility. Meg like Ryan and Sense and Sensibility? I'm s- <laughs> the, uh, you've got mail. Did I say that? <laughs> Those aren't the same at all. Okay, it's the double S's again. <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. Yeah. But I'd say, like, let's not bury the lead. She is the reason why this, one of the big reasons why this movie does not work. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily think it's her. I think, I mean, it, it, who knows? But for me, it was her character mm-hmm. was so completely nothing. Yeah. Well, let's let's start from yeah, the top let's and start let's from get the top. into what what went wrong let's start from and i quote glorious erection as the pyramids testify to the egyptians so my glorious erection shall represent our culture in perpetuity behold rising before you the greatest erection on the continent (laughs) the greatest erection of the age the greatest erection on the planet. That was a good scene. Yeah. That scene actually works. So to, to preface this movie for anybody who hasn't seen it, basically the the movie opens up with good old Sir Leopold drawing the Brooklyn Bridge. It's one of yeah, the bridges so. in New York. And um, he's, but we're in 1870-something. And 1870s, 1860s. Eight, yeah. Something. Sometime in the 1800s when there's more horses and people were fashionable. Yeah. And he's he's drawing the bridge and he's listening to the bridge's creator be like, that's a magnificent bridge. And it has a glorious erection. Or it, it is, is a, a glorious bridge. erection, yeah, yeah. but maybe it does as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. That part of that bridge is underwater. <laughs> Look. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> sniggering behind him is uh, one of the best actors in this movie. Um, the guy from Wolverine. <laughs> He's technically Same. from Wolverine. Leif uh, Schreiber. Leif Schreiber. Um, he was in a Wolverine. He he is he? he is a uh, he's character Saber from Wolverine. Sabretooth. Sabretooth. Yeah, that's pulling that nerd culture yeah. right back into this podcast. Yeah. Can't keep yep. it out. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and he's sniggering in the background and just being. Can I? I I'm just going to state this up front, and as we go through it, we can kind of parse this out. But I kind of wish that it was a buddy movie. Or romantic comedy between Liv Schreiber and um, you know Hugh Jackman. I wonder if there was a draft where it was a buddy movie, like it was. It a, feels a lot more like a buddy movie until Liv Schreiber falls down a uh, elevator shaft. <laughs> an elevator shaft and doesn't come back. Yeah, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, sorry. I just this movie this movie exists out of time, yeah. as it were. So encapsulate the rest of the first act for us. Um. 
Okay, so Hugh Hugh Jackman basically is like, mm, leave, leave Shriver, you're kind of weird, I'm going to follow you. Oh, uh, well, I got to maybe go marry somebody for money because I'm a duke and my uncle wants to marry me off to somebody. Mm-hmm. Then he sees Leif Shriver being weird and taking photos in 1870 around his party, chases him to the Brooklyn Bridge, tries to save him after he's jumped off, but... Lo and behold, Leave Schreiber wants to jump off because he's a time traveler and he has and to get back to New York. All through time. Oh, okay. Just here's, like the Ninja Turtles. Here's my big question because there's a big jump in the movie from <laughs> from them falling off the Brooklyn Bridge or jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge and then them getting home to Leave Schreiber's apartment. Yeah. Is where do they land? Because they jump people they jump off the brooklyn bridge and generally that's a dying offense i'm assuming never done it myself sure. or at least a, like high injury offense but leaf Schreiber's just like i do this all the time it's fine i'll answer your question with a different question what did nicholas cage dive off of in national treasure was that the brooklyn bridge i feel like he di- he took a dove in the end of national treasure do you remember that part wait wasn't the end of national treasure on the president's faces no, that's North by Northwest. Wasn't the end of National Treasure uh, on the top of the Empire State Building? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. I've seen National Treasure once, and though it is a national treasure, I don't want to go back. Let's say they dove in together, and they're both Olympic divers, and they survived the fall into the plunge of water, and that's how... Well, Leif Schreiber definitely saved Hugh Jackman, because he yeah. brings him home unconscious, and then that's when Meg Ryan finds him and thinks, oh my gosh, he's having sex with Hugh Jackman, Which... and runs away. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay. Yeah, at that point in time, you just have to say... Sure. Good job, Leif Schreiber. Good for Leif Schreiber. Good for you. Um, but then she runs away because Leif Schreiber is her ex-boyfriend of four years and they just broke up and somehow live in apartments above and below each other. Yeah. So that's convenient. It's convenient or, okay. In my head canon, did they break up and she's like, "Mm, there's an apartment downstairs. I wouldn't have to move very far. That makes no sense. Well, neither does, (laughs) neither does having... Well, maybe it makes the most sense having an apartment right next to your boyfriend. So you can spy on him. So you can just go over for a quickie or hangy or just a whatever and then go home. Mm-hmm. Okay. It doesn't sound like a good relationship to start off. Yeah. I, hey, and I'm not judging anybody out there who lives is below not, your partner. Lives below your partner, but um, you either want distance or you don't, and that like halfway in between is like, it's like ah, I really miss college and like living downstairs from my girlfriend. Hey, college kids that are listening, don't date somebody in your same dorm. It's it's complicated. It's complicated. But this is kind of like a sitcom setup. Yeah, I want to see that sitcom. I, I have seen that sitcom. We have. That's friends. Well, that's Chandler what, and Monica living right across the who's hallway. The, who's the Duke from 1870s supposed to be? Um, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been a great twist. Mm-hmm. A twist Wait, if it was, it, it wasn't, it wasn't Hugh Jackman. Wasn't it was Paul Rudd the whole time. <laughs> he looks amazing. Okay, so you, you continue us through the second act. Uh, the second act begins, and then they throw the script out the window and figure out. I don't know. He can do whatever he wants. So since. Um, Hugh Jackman has left his timeline. We're getting into the Back to the Future kind of stuff. Of now, 
the future inventor of the elevators has been extricated from his timeline and so the elevator never gets invented so all oh, elevators case, disappear in case you're wondering hugh jackman is a duke who invented the elevator that's been established at some point inconvenient during the movie um and so leave schreiber falls into an elevator shaft because it's a soap opera now um like in friends and then mm-hmm. meg ryan decides i've got nothing to better to do i'll just keep this hugh jackman around yeah he becomes her pokemon <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically and he just follows her around and then she uses him to a, a person with a little bit of acting experience at least a classical education yeah like seemingly because he knows he knows the arts mm-hmm. he's he's a rich man he's 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 been to the theater yeah he saw the fifth showing of penzance yeah mm-hmm. pirates of penzance good for him and, and and I want to say right up front while we're in the middle of the, the second act, Hugh Jackman is charming in this movie. You, you are so method. You don't even break for a second, do you? Yeah, it's a great, great Hugh Jackman movie. Mm-hmm. It's he, a terrible Meg Ryan movie. Yeah, his he is written as suave, debonair, and he's got he's got the voice, the looks and the style for it. But like he is the, the I mean, if we're breaking down the genre, he's the prince anybody would want to fall in love with Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with him necessarily he's a little he's a little pretentious at times but only because he's from a different time period and doesn't want to pick up dog poop we'll get to that all right continue on um then there the movie realized that it was too white and so they brought in this black kid to break into their house and start watching television and then Hugh Jackman started entertaining this kid with his own acting. And that's when Meg Ryan's brother shows up, Brecken Meyer. And he's like, oh my gosh, it's an actor. I've and never if, seen these before. If there's anybody who makes a movie more white, it's definitely Brecken <laughs> Meyer. Brecken Meyer. He's like, hey, I heard you guys were trying to make this multicultural. I'm here to bring it back down. <laughs> who Brecken Meyer is charming, but he lives in 2001. I think he was unfrozen from from or no he was he was released from his robot cage in 1999 and then refrozen in 2002 and then i have not never to be seen again that's okay we'll get you back for those 90s nostalgia movies oh yeah they'll be coming up soon early aughts nostalgia movies Mm -hmm. um and so and viola davis we got viola davis Oh, as the cop Mm -hmm. great stuff there um i mean yeah there's I, I actually like that scene. It was definitely the funniest in the movie. I, can you catalog the, the high art that we're watching right now in this scene? Uh, where Hugh Jackman is being forced to pick up dog poop. Yeah. So you basically have two of two of the better actors of our generation, Viola Davis and Hugh Jackman, um, arguing about whether Hugh Jackman has to pick up um, Leave Schreiber's dog's poop after he's pooped, which, hey, I live in a city. You got to pick up your dog's poop. I'm looking at you. Everybody who doesn't do it, do yeah. it. This is a PSA. Please. Yeah. I step on so much dog. I feel like that's why this scene is in there. It's like, this is not for comedy. We're just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really funny because Viola Davis basically gives him a ticket for not picking up his dog poop, leaves, and then he leaves, and then there's dog poop. Are you suggesting, madam, there exists a law compelling gentlemen to lay hold of canine bowel movements? I'm suggesting you pick the poop up and throw it away now. I refuse. And <laughs> it's this just, grand old cinema. It's so These weird. people are going on to play Oscar uh, things. Um, and then 
Hugh Jackman gets roped into doing a commercial because he's just that suave. Yeah, basically, who she Meg Ryan's like you're suave, and our other actors suck. So I'm gonna put you in an audition in front of my boss, who's played by Bradley Whitford, who is great, aka he's, the bad guy from Billy Madison, aka um, the PR rep, uh, or no, what does he handle on West Wing? Um, He's, he's something in the president's PR. Sure. I think West wing guy. Um, but he's great. Um, and he's the dad and get out. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in this, he also plays a bad guy cause he plays them well and he plays a bad guy with an arc, but we'll get there. So Meg Ryan is yeah. a, at least more of an arc than we'd give him today. Okay. Um, and so Meg Ryan's like Hugh Jackman sell butter for me. Cause she works. Of course, in a PR firm, because if it wasn't a PR firm, it would be in a magazine. Yeah. Where does your beautiful blonde character work? A magazine, a PR firm, anything. Well, I guess that has marketing. To do with marketing. I guess is technically marketing. Anything marketing, anything or, fashion. Or it could be architecture. She could be an architect of some kind. Uh, like, cause it's vaguely creative. Architecture. Ooh, who's her rom-com architect? Other than uh, Ted Mosby. Ted Mosby is the only one I can think of. Uh, publishing. That's another one. Yeah. But I mean, that's akin to magazines. Yeah. Um, cause I'm thinking the proposal, Sandra Bullock and, uh, um, yeah. Ryan Reynolds are both in publishing. Yeah. But it, it like, this is, this is a trope that we can get into trope time, trope time. Um, your main character must do something creative. <laughs> Heaven forbid oh, oh, if she were a CPA architect. or anything. Architect, um, Tom Hanks, uh, sleepless in Seattle. Okay. But any female architects? See, all the women characters have fashion or marketing or mm-hmm. PR, and all the men have, like, like I'm Tom Hanks. I'm going to go work on this lady's <laughs> wait, house. Wait, yeah. Vaguely masculine. Because it's <laughs> it's not like he's a, he's a laborer or he's ever picking up a hammer, but he's got he's got specs for a house. Well, he goes to the work site, and he, <laughs> he hangs does. out with he, Rob Reiner. And he avoids the nails on the floor. Yeah. Um, ooh, that would be a good survey of occupations and rom-coms oh i'd love to do that we should when we set up our website we should um release a list but even uh, even hugh jackman has kind of a architecture role in the long run because he's yeah the inventor he's an inventor well he's an engineer we should say okay can we t- so let's let's put a pause because at, at this point in the story hugh jackman is basically slinging butter for the marketing company that which is a great scene it is he Sold me? Yeah. I want margarine again. I want to buy that butter. I've been a strict butter kind of guy, but I'll go back to margarine. Yeah. Fresh, creamery butter. Is there anything more comforting? So here's what happens. He slings the butter and then... Elevators. Elevators. Okay. Because he's an engineer. So he's an... Is he an engineer? Did we establish that in the movie? No, the movie didn't establish anything. Okay. So we have no idea what Hugh Jackman does, except he draws. Because we see him drawing the Brooklyn Bridge... And then he, it's going to be a different bridge. Uh, And then he, um, apparently we know he invents the elevator later because Leif Schreiber uh, tells us this. However, I think he just got the idea from all the elevators being closed when he goes and not working when he goes back to You're giving this movie way too much credit. No, I'm giving it less credit. When does he actually observe it in the movie? I was like, hmm, there should be elevators in this building. Well, people are talking about elevators being broken all the time. And so he goes back and he has to use the stairs everywhere. And he's like, the future sort of advanced. I'll make something to make it go up and down. Yeah, sure. (laughs) I'm being really too generous to this movie. All right, let's continue with the plot. Um, So then uh, it's 
in the middle of act two and the movie realized, oh my God, we forgot this is a romance movie. So Hugh Jackman falls in love with Meg Ryan. For no foreseeable reason, except that she's the, he's, she is the only woman that he has met on That's this side of time. <laughs> but no, I mean, no, I guess he met Viola Davis, but she gave him a ticket. Why didn't he fall in love with her? She was reprimanding him for not picking up poop. Which, hey, meet cute right there. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it over Meg Ryan in this movie any day. Exactly. Ugh. So yeah, they fall in love for some reason. Meg Ryan makes sense for falling in love with Hugh Jackman because who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Um, Hugh Jackman has nothing else to do in this film, so they make him fall in love with Meg Ryan. And he's the one who says, "I love you first. Oh, I don't even notice that I love you. No, remember they were they were in bed. It was it was this riveting cinematic moment when he's holding her from behind after she's like, no, you can stay here tonight. And he's like, cool. And then he holds her and he's like, I love you. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, I must have forgot to pay attention in this scene. Cause I was worried that maybe I'll miss something. And then I paid attention. And I was like, Nope, nothing to see here. <laughs> okay. So uh, we left off where Hugh Jackman slinging butter. Then we finally, after leave Schreiber, like, we see him go to the hospital after f- falling down this elevator shaft. Mark, please but he could be dead because we yeah. don't see him for like half an no, hour. No, we saw him like a few minutes later, but he felt... No, I know. We saw him go into the ambulance. But he was conscious. He he was speaking words. He didn't die from that fall. But well, there I don't was know good... what happened between the, the, the <laughs> yeah. ambulance and the hospital. There was a good five minutes that he fell down an elevator shaft. And when we watched television, like uh, Dr. Drake Ramore falls down an elevator shaft, he died. Done. Um, but so we're wondering, did, did Lee Schreiber die too? And we have to wait five or ten minutes till we get some kind of answer that he is not dead. And then for some reason, for some unknown reason in the film, the film never tells us why he's kept in the hospital. I thought it was going to be because he was like spouting a whole bunch of nonsense about going back in time, but, and maybe that was cut out. It feels like a scene that was in the movie, but they're like, we had to cut this down so we could get more of that hot Hugh Jackman, Meg Ryan action in there. Well, we should firmly establish that this is a movie from Miramax. Um, All movies mm -hmm. from Miramax are heavily edited by Harvey Weinstein, who's a sex criminal now and not allowed any near anything, which is great. Um, so thanks for this piece of work. <laughs> yeah, but this clearly has the mark of him doing insane work on this movie and doing a lot of uh, editing and butchered it and ruined it. Um, but we don't know if he made it any better or any worse. Who knows mm-hmm. what the original product that he was editing was. But I'm I'm going to guess on worse. Not, not, yeah. I mean, just because of the product we got. But maybe he made it go by quicker and so, like, eased our oh, pain. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he cut out some of the extra. Though, I, this movie was fun to watch because it was bad at times. But um, there's very few movies where I'm like, I could have used more here to make this movie better. And I, I think actually. a lot more and everywhere to make this movie a lot better. Yeah, this movie could have used more fat and less. <sighs> Meg Ryan. Less, uh, if yeah. it was a buddy movie, Leave Schreiber, Hugh Jackman, Kristen Shaw, um, <gasps> the random black okay. kid. We don't even learn his name. Do we even learn his name, the neighbor kid? Um, I hope we do. I think we do. Hello. Hello. Who are you? Hector. My mom works late on Wednesdays, so I watch TV with Stuart. 
Want some pirate's booty? Um, I can't remember it for the life of me. I can't remember any of the characters' names in this movie. No, that's why we call them Hugh Jackman. As well, we should. <laughs> um. Okay, so... Leif Schreiber is in the hospital and he's being kept there against his will and they're not going to release him because he they think he jumped down the elevator shaft himself. And so in this movie, there's elevator shafts. Elevators are not working. However, they're not gone. The shafts are there. The elevators are gone. Uh, oh, okay. So wh- why were the shafts still in the building? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. And so they, they're keeping Leaf Shriver there because he jumped down a shaft in a building and they thought he might have jumped. And so they're keeping him on basically suicide watch. And he's trying desperately to get back to Hugh Jackman in order to keep him from ruining history. It's such a weird Inception thing where it's like they were halfway there to a cool idea where it's like, uh, like in Back to the Future, it's like Marty's hand is like fading away. But I thought they were going to go there. that way in this film. It's kind of doing that because it's like, well, the elevator shaft isn't gone yet, but it would be if we don't get him back to his time until this and all these things. This movie like, goes halfway on everything. Yeah. Yeah. On the time logic. And I, I don't want to give it a pass because it's a romantic comedy and not a time travel movie. It's a romantic comedy time travel movie. It's a romantic time comedy travel. Exactly. Uh, but like the elevator thing, they're always referencing having to walk upstairs. And yeah. Stuff. And there's scenes where you see all these extras having to go upstairs. It's like, Oh, you keep doubling down on but this. They don't use it for co- actual comedy. Yeah. But you understand why you're doing it. It's like, no, no, we just need to get the logic out there. Yeah. That the elevators are gone. It's like, they're not totally gone because people remember it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. So anyways, we get into the third act. Um, we should probably say Bradley Whitford is a, um, uh, a Harvey Weinstein esque character, Weinstein. Uh, he's not that bad. No, he's no, he's not that bad. But he's he's definitely the boss who's like, hey, if you want to go up, he's an early aughts boss. Yeah, if you, well, I mean, sorry, early aughts bosses who are good. Um, but he's he's that guy who's like, you want to go up in the business? Maybe you should date me. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of like, and now we have me too because of these. Yeah. Rats. And and so we're we're watching Bradley Whitford do that. He gets shamed um by Hugh Jackman, which in one of the best scenes of the movie, Hugh Jackman and um Meg Ryan's brother, what's his name? The guy from Rat Race. The guy from Rat Race, yes. Breckenmeyer. Breckenmeyer, thank you. Um they show up at this weird dinner that Meg Ryan has to go through with her boss. Cause like the B story is she's trying to get this promotion and it's very much a sitcom. Yeah. Like, this is a sitcom episode. It's like an episode of friends where Rachel has to go and do this, but Joey and Chandler have to do this. But it's like a season Ross 10 episode of friends. Then, yeah. Yeah. It's not great. Um, and so she, she's on this date with him and he keeps pushing and he keeps being like, Hey, do you like me or something? And she's like, I really want to talk about this promotion. And you see her having to deal with it. And I actually, this is the scene I liked her in most because I'm like, I see why you're not very likable because you're having to deal with this all the time. Sure. I guess. Sure. Um, But, and she handles it with a plum, but then Hugh Jackman comes in and he's like, actually, let me insult you. Um, er, Not Breckenmeyer. Bradley Bradley Whitford. Whitford. And is just and just rips him a new one. Well, some feel that to court a woman in one's employ is nothing more than a serpentine effort to transform a lady to a whore. This guy's charming, Kate. The Duke of Margarine thinks me a serpent. No, he doesn't. No, not a serpent. That's too grand a word. Simply a braggart and a cad 
and knows less French than I, if that's possible. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But then he gets admonished by um, Meg Ryan because she's like, I was handling things. I could have handled that. And he just came in and like tried to save the day. Oh, is that what the like act two climax is? Yeah, basically. Uh, I know it, it's he ends up. She doesn't even tell him that she's just, just mad. And then he apologizes with a letter and invites her on a date. Oh, right. Uh-huh. A gentleman you remember? letter. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they go on the date on the rooftop. Uh-huh. And they, <laughs> what was this scene? They stared at their neighbor who listens to Moon River. And goes to bed and turns off his lights at midnight every night. What was that? Nothing. It was absolutely, <laughs> it was, it was literally, <laughs> I think it was like, man, it would suck to be lonely. Yes. Do, do you want to hook up? And then they hook up. Yeah. Oh, also Hugh Jackman fights with a toaster in this movie out of everything that could possibly befuddle somebody from the 1870s. He's Mm -hmm. stuck on how to get toast right, which is a real problem, just like the dog poop. And he's fixing that problem. And so it takes an engineer from the 1870s to fix modern day problems. But well, I guess he doesn't fix the dog poop, but he he fixes the toaster by hooking it to a timer with a fork. And it's, it's I just, just feel like this <laughs> script was written by like a scene randomizer where you like took 50 note cards and you're like, OK, well, this is a fish out of water plot. We have Hugh Jackman from the 1870s. He's in modern day. What does he get befuddled by? And someone's like, doesn't know what to do with dog poop. OK, great. Great. Put it in great, the movie. Great, great. Doesn't know what to do with the toaster. And I feel like James Mangold, who's a fine filmmaker, who's made excellent, excellent films, but he wrote and directed this. I just feel like he was walking around his house and just was kind of scanning. And he's like, toaster has trouble with the toaster. And then his dog's like, I've got a poop, bro. And he's like, oh, okay. Oh, wouldn't it be perfect if this happened? What too? if a Duke had to de- deal with a Dukey? Yeah. And they didn't even say that. They could have said that it would have been a better movie, but they didn't even say that. Yeah. They didn't commit to much of joking. Um, but uh, so then there's a third act where Meg Ryan has to go to this work thing at this thing. Oh, well, I guess the, the, the climax of act two is where Hugh Jackman has been doing this, this butter commercial for her and they're filming it. And he, this is after they've slept together once and gone on a date and he said, I love you. And then they quite the order to go in and, and, and then they film, um, this butter commercial and you know, film can be a stressful job, but um, Hugh Jackman gets a taste of what it feels like to live in the early two thousands, which is as rampant of commercialism as you can possibly get on daytime TV. Probably. Oh, right. Um, and so he, he, it, it burns him. He hates slinging butter after uh, tasting it. And he's like, this is horrible butter. I'm not going to sell this. It's diet. It's supposed to be awful. I mean, what is the problem? The problem is that for no reason, beyond my affection for you, I find myself peddling pond scum to an unsuspecting public. And Meg Ryan is like... Because because he is so invested in the world that he's in. Like, imagine imagine you go to Florida and you're getting paid... I can't. (laughs) But imagine... Uh, and we're in Oregon, just so just so it's very crystal clear. You go to Florida, you're never coming back. Someone's like, I'm going to give you $10,000, just sell these tacos. Are they good? Does it matter? It's $10,000. Who's going to care? You don't live here. No one's going to know and who you are. he needs money. He's a duke who needs to marry rich, but so like, he has money. Why is he so invested in this no reason. world? Well, actually, strike that. Earlier on in the movie, he's having dinner or breakfast 
dinner with Meg Ryan and um, Breckenmeyer. And he's like, May I have the next course? There is no next course. <laughs> Where I come from, the meal is the result of reflection and study. Menus are prepared in advance, timed to perfection. It is said without the culinary arts, the crudeness of reality would be unbearable. He really likes himself a meal and good food, and he hates that bad food exists in the in the early aughts. But I, I feel like this in Kelly and Ryan rewrite this movie. You know what they need to throw it in the garbage? Yeah. <laughs> you write your first draft with your heart, and you rewrite with your head. What they need is that scene where he goes and like tries chili dogs or something. He's like, this is actually good. Just something that a, a Duke shouldn't like. And he's, he's had to have frozen dinners and he has to have this bad butter. But then he tries a, like a New York bagel or something. He's like, well, blimey, it's delicious. <laughs> yeah, sure. That's like in our scene randomizer that we can throw in. He's like, tries hot Dog. Well, I, I feel like uh, the, the whole lesson of this movie, because what happens next is Meg Ryan and him argue. He finishes the commercial. Then she's like, well, obviously this doesn't work. Like in the car on the way on the way home from the shoot, she's like, we're done. This doesn't work. And then every Ryan and I are like, yes, yes. It's More over. Hugh Jackman for Lee it's Schreiber. Over. Buddy movie begins now. Yeah. But no, what happens is. Leave Schreiber finally gets out of jail or, or the hospital and um, he comes back and he gets his photos developed that he was taking in the past and he sees Something, Meg Ryan there. But we don't see him seeing Meg Ryan there until No, later. but we knew it was going to be Meg yeah, Ryan. Okay. Didn't, didn't you? It's just, this is the softest. I feel ball. like this is, this is the thing that you, you did not watch this movie really. <laughs> My brain's like, what are you doing? Stop looking at this. Um, but basically she, he, he's like Hugh Jackman. We have to go tell. Oh, wait, no, no. Hugh Jackman goes home afterwards. We don't know how he goes home, but he just must've gone and jumped off the bridge. <laughs> wait, <laughs> how did he get home? Don't worry about it. No, I need to. How did he get home? Because I remember the scene of her jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge later. Yeah. Um, but he gets home somehow. He gets home somehow. I think he jumps off the Brooklyn Bridge, but we don't see it happen. And then Liv Schreiber and uh, Breckenmeyer go to Meg Ryan's party where she's getting the promotion. And this is after um, her boss has been like, hey, I'm, you know... Uh, you get the promotion. You can have my office. I'm going to leave and go to England. Sorry about being a dick. And like, it doesn't get fully resolved, but it's like, it was a turn. I wasn't expecting it to take, I guess. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, I'm kind of scum. I'll see you later. Yeah. But he doesn't, it, it's, it's not the apology we want in 2019, but, at least but it's it was, an apology. but it was the apology. It wasn't this apology. The city <laughs> deserves, but it was the one it has. Or we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, and then Lee Schreiber's like gives Meg Ryan the photos and is like, see, you're from the past or you, you went back to the past and I already have evidence of it. Then she goes, runs, jumps off the Brooklyn bridge. Liv Schreiber and Breckenmeyer are now like suspecting that like a cop watches her do this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
sorry, this is just a bad movie. I like <laughs> in recreating the plot. I just feel bad telling it's like you, you about guys it hear it, right? You hear how terrible it is. And then he, Hugh Jackman is about to announce that he's going to. Oh, and her dress transformed. Oh, okay. This let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. Ryan, she's wearing a dress at we're, we're not big critics of fashion. Cause we know so little about it. However, I'm going to say bad dress doesn't fit Meg Ryan at this party that she's at. At the old one? At, at the 1870s or 19- No, in the 1990s. Okay. Or Even the early 2000s. In the 1990s, but it's 2004. And... <laughs> so I can't say it out loud. Say it. So, she, bad dress, but she goes and jumps off this bridge, which is a portal through time. We get a very cursory look at the time travel in this movie. It's just this portal that opens up in this spot and Leif Schreiber somehow found it. <laughs> and she jumps off the bridge. And when she lands in 1870, her dress is the same dress, but with like a lot more dress. It's an 1870s version of the same dress. But his clothes didn't change. His clothes went... didn't change either direction. So, so the magic of the universe blessed her or, or she landed weeks earlier <laughs> got her dress altered and then now has a new dress. Cause when she shows up at the party, she's got ruffles. Your head cannon is she's got so a bodice. generous. She's got a bodice. Sure. It's just the most generous, like uh rationalizing I've ever heard. And then Hugh Jackman throws shawl away and then picks, um, picks Meg Ryan. And he's like, I'm going to marry her, but we don't have money, but I'm going to invent the elevator. So we're going to be cool. Yeah, the and she doesn't have a social security card here. She doesn't have a driver's license. She'll <sighs> never have one. You know what I would have like? Liked? She's thrown away all her rights when she goes to that time. She's not going to have a job. She can't vote. She can't get a job. <laughs> I mean, she might be able to get a I job. I don't know what the like, toilet situation is, but it's probably not good. I love I love when Hugh Jackman shows up in the future and he uh, asks her what she, like, or she says what she does for a living. And he's like, a researcher. Very suitable. I like that women can be researchers here. And and so maybe he's he's like, hey, I don't know anything about elevators. Tell me about how elevators work. And the two of them cheat time and invent yeah. elevators together. That would have been a more interesting movie. I, I, I do think this brings up an interesting question that should have been asked of like her taking just 30 seconds to really ask. You can pick. You guys can go back through the time portal. Do you want to hang out here in the 1870s or do you want to go back to 2004? Why don't they do both? Yeah, if just, that if that portal's there, and like do your weekends in two thousand four and your days in eighteen seventy two. So leave, <laughs> leave Schreiber is the um, is one parent, and um, the other divorced parent is eighteen seventies. Sure, okay. Um, this is a question I always ask um, people like my wife. I'm like, okay, if you go back to any time, what time would you go to? She's like, well, none, because if I go back to any time, I'm going to lose some of my rights, no matter what. And like, oh, that sucks. That's true. <laughs> I can go back to any time whenever I want and pretty much benefit from any of those times. Oh, yeah. Going back in time is the best for men. White men. Yes, specifically. Um, some sci-fi shows get at this. Uh-huh. I think Timeless, that show Timeless. Do you remember that show Timeless? I didn't watch I it. I don't remember Timeless. But the premise seemed to be like it was a white man, a black man, and a woman go on these time travel adventures. And they would go into these times where... Uh, see the description of this TV show that I never saw sounds more interesting than this film that I did see. Mm-hmm. I I feel like whoever 
came there was somebody who came up with the idea for this movie and that person was fired and somebody else wrote it <laughs> and they only had half scribbled notes and yeah. they were drunk the whole time yes yes it was leave schreiber uh here the leave the, the way you end this movie is leave schreiber comes through and he says like you were saying before there there is a time distortion and it happens every like every four hours and so you can just jump off the brooklyn bridge whenever you want and it's it's you can go back and forth yeah that's, that's how be, you there's gotta be out. like some kind of eclipse like only this time only then can you do it like no, give and, us some and they jump they jump back and forth all yeah. over the place really no big deal um, and like what was the urgency they're like you have to jump it's like uh take your time Meg ryan like yeah. you got all night if if that portal only goes between that time and that time then she could jump back any point in time and go to that same point in time. Yeah. How did she it's just, like, is there a can? No. So when he went back, he went back to right at the same time that he left. Right. Cause like he, no. Cause he comes back and he dances at the party again. No, that's my point is that he experienced like a week in 2004, but a week didn't go by when he went back to 1870. A week didn't go. He landed earlier that day. Because, or yeah, at least a little earlier that, that evening, There's because like some crossover, because he walks up to his uncle and they almost have the same conversation. <laughs> Sorry, this movie makes absolutely no sense. It is bonkers. Not all that talk about screwing up future events, the space time continuum. Well, I figured, what the hell? Like, if you're going to be, if you're going to, like, at least Back to the Future, like, the rules don't work, but they work for themselves. Like, the rules are at least consistent. Mm -hmm. They don't work if you really think about it. But, like, they don't work from a hard science fiction point of view, but they do work from a soft science point of view where we're going to put our suspension disbelief on and it's like, I will accept the Back to the Future time travel premise. Exactly. This one does not work on any science it works on a magic point of view but they don't introduce magic into this world until she wears a magic dress yeah exactly and then maybe it was magic the whole time but we didn't we weren't can i just say a couple good things about this movie sure pirate's booty is in it pirate's booty in 2001 i didn't know it existed in 2001 yeah, and tie into pirates of penzance Exactly. Lots of pirates going on. And, that, <laughs> and again, James Mancold was probably just sitting in his house and he's like, and then they're eating <gasps> pirates, pirates booty. booty. <laughs> and then um, let's see. Uh, Bart, the dog is pretty great, even though he can't save Liv Schreiber from falling down. Yeah. The, you got to have a dog in your rom-com. Got to have, have a dog, a dog of some kind. Was he a disabled dog? I don't think he was. No. Why do you have to have a disabled dog? Usually they're disabled. Dogs? Yeah. We'll get... In the, in the You've early, got mail? No, in the aughts. All the dogs in the aughts are disabled. You've got mail as aughts. No, you've got mail as 99. Nine? 98, 99. Oh, okay. Late 90s. Okay, I wrote this down. Meg Ryan is a parent from a fantasy story. And, uh, sorry, this is not a good thing. I That was my one good thing. There was Pirate's Booty and the dog was like cool. Like the Dursleys? Um, n- no, not like the Dursleys because the Dursleys um, don't want magic to exist. Basically, Hugh Grant comes back in time. Hugh Grant? Hugh, this movie would be so much better if he's Hugh Grant. No, not than Hugh Jackman. I think Hugh Jackman was right for this part. But if Hugh Grant was in the Meg Ryan part, or in 
or in the Leif Schreiber part. That would be, I would accept either of those. <laughs> there would be too much like suave bumbling. Too many hues. Yeah. <laughs> Ew, I'm sorry. <laughs> Pardon me. What? I, Why do you bumble? Oh, oh, I, um, <laughs> oh, that would be nice. Great. Oh, I am. Um, oh, sorry. Oh. Sorry. Um, but she's a, she's a parent from a fantasy story in the, the respect that she never listens to her children. Like Liv Schreiber, um, I mean, Hugh Jackman just being who, who Hugh Jackman is in this movie as a Duke, it's apparent he's from a different time period. And Liev Schreiber told her this, but she's like, nah, no, not a possible. And then her brother's even like, yeah, it kind of seems like he's actually from a different time period. She's like, nah, no, 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 no he, The whole time he thinks he's an actor. Oh, yeah, that's true. But still, she has way more than enough evidence that he's from a different time period. And for the first half of the movie, she's just like, uh, I, I can't even listen to what you're saying right now. I, and it's like when little kids go up to their parents in fantasy stories and they're like, there's a monster in my closet. And they're like, no, there's not. Go yeah. to bed. And they don't even check. I, I feel like for these magical fish out of water stories of which there are, are legion, you want the audience to be in on the joke. You don't want all the characters to be in on the joke. Right. So like, Back to the Future, Marty McFly is a fish out of water, and we know that he's a fish out of water. No one else else in the story knows that. Just Doc. Um, But everyone else just like, this kid's weird. And that's why it works, because we're laughing at him like in secret. But when we watch it in this movie, the whole world in this movie is laughing at Hugh Jackman. And we're just kind of like, oh, sorry, buddy. No one understands you. General of Electric. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was good. Okay. Again, um, just looking at stuff in his house. Yeah. He was like, uh, General Electric, I have an appliance. What if it's an actual general? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it should say something about this movie's quality that making a joke about the General of Electric, one of the best things. Yeah. Cell phones not allowed? Uh, at the hospital? Uh, it was 2004. No. It was a different time. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing about the time travel makes sense in this movie. Nothing about anything makes sense in this movie. That is my thesis. Yeah. Yeah. You're not allowed to have cell phones in the hospital. He got locked up in the psych ward and was on a 24 hour hold for some reason. That's why he couldn't get out. Yeah. Yeah. The nurse was like, Hey, you, you messed up my other patients like breathing apparatus. You're now cell phones are not allowed at the hospital. Or they've always not been allowed, but you definitely can't have yours. Give it to me. No, I need to. What do you expect me to do? You took away my cell phone. They're not allowed on hospital property. (laughs) This is my head. This is my microphone. Well, let's try and piece together what they were trying to do. Yeah, because it seems like there's the bones of a good story here in the ideal prince story. Uh... We're talking about Enchanted. Just reverse Go on. the genders. Okay. You've seen Enchanted, right? I haven't. Oh, well, it's definitely going to be something that we yeah, that watch. Yeah, we, we watch. The premise is um, you have a Disney princess who somehow, like a legitimate Disney princess from a cartoon. That somehow makes it to our world. Somehow right? is sucked into the real world. Mm-hmm. And she's a fish out of water and she's a Disney princess and she interacts with everything as if the birds will be singing a song to her and she thinks they're trying to talk to her when she's sad. It rains, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Exactly. 
um, and she's bumping up against the real world. Um, and that movie works because we actually get the difference in identities of our Disney princess and a real um, guy who's cynical and sad. This is, look how silly Hugh Jackman is. And it doesn't really get, there are some scenes where we get his gentleman identity. Oh, we get that quite often. Yeah, but it doesn't get any deeper than that. It doesn't get at why there's a value to seeing the world that way. Right. Okay, yeah, that because that's a big theme of this movie. Like, the movie's thesis is 1870 is better than where we're living in 2000. Uh, I don't know what year it is. And Hugh Jackman, though he's visited the future, is like, this place kind of sucks. I'm going to go back. And... I mean, that's, that's the general thesis of the movie is today kind of sucks. But he doesn't really get anything. F- well, the, the, and the, this is why the movie just implodes is that he gets nothing from Meg Ryan. Nothing. Exactly. He doesn't get anything from the future. He doesn't get anything from Meg, except for maybe elevators. Um, he doesn't get anything from Meg Ryan. There's nothing he really learns or enjoys except I'd really like to go back home. I guess you and I can be married. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know why he falls in love with her. So what was... What was or what can we guess was Meg Ryan's value, her character? What value was she bringing to the story? Talk to me a little bit more about Enchanted. Like, what is his value, this cynical man that you speak of? Well, he's kind of like, hey, don't be a naive Disney princess. The world can be dangerous sometimes. Okay, so she she learns not to be naive through him. In that world. But, like, it it does get at the idea of, like, in, you know, different – this make-believe world people are more innocent and sure and you know i think she learned well actually i think he's the one learning all the lessons <laughs> because <laughs> which is fine what what i thought this movie was going to be just from from the outset before we even started watching i was like okay Hugh, i know hugh jackman travels through time is kind of a prince-esque character and he has to deal with meg ryan's real world right yeah <laughs> which is my favorite vh1 show <laughs> Real world. Um, it's MTV. MTV. Oh, I mean, come uh, on. Okay. Um, the what I thought was going to happen was she was going to finally get the prince of her dreams or something like that, and was going to realize like, well, actually, that's not what I want. Like, I thought, I thought she was going to fall back in love. With she was actually going to be like I love Leif Schreiber because he's like a modern guy and yeah. We get what's along. wrong with Leif Schreiber? Yeah, and there's I'm, nothing wrong with there's him. nothing wrong with Leif Schreiber. They don't get along. He's just a big nerd. He's he's a nerd, but and so is Hugh Jackman. He's a different kind of nerd. He is a different kind of nerd. He's he's a music he's a musical nerd. Yeah, um, and she doesn't like musicals. They have nothing <laughs> in common. But I thought maybe it was going to be that thing where she's like, this guy's perfect. This is what I've been waiting for. And they were actually going to have nothing in common. And that facade was going to drop down. And then she's going to be like, he is beautiful and nice, but not for me. Who's for me is the person that is real and right here in front of me. And I would have really liked to see that movie. And he and see, it's funny. You're describing a story. And I feel like this movie doesn't have one. (laughs) It doesn't. It has events that are interconnected simply because there's the same characters in them. Yeah, and it could have even, like, we would have even accepted a superficial story where she was like, you know what? Every man in 2004 is garbage, and mm-hmm. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with this 1870s man who's a gentleman, and that's what I value. It's like, I'll take that. Yeah, like, I, 
And if she was like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for the whole time as an actual gentleman and they fall in love, that would have been fine. Fine. But she has absolutely no motivation. Her only thing in this movie is I want to get this job. She gets this job and then is like, actually, that's not what I want. What I want is Hugh Jackman now and to be in the 1870s. Yeah, like, she works, that doesn't make any sense for her character she either. She so hard and her whole plot. And everything she's doing with her boss is that she can keep going uh, on up the ladder. And she's dealing with so much garbage to do it. And then you maybe like you could have done something with that. Yeah, you would. You would have had a scene of disillusionment of like this pursuit is pointless. Yeah. Like being trying to be a woman, especially at this company with this boss is completely fruitless. Yeah. And you could have. She could have been way disillusioned and then thought about going, oh, like, what if you wrote it like this? Thought about going into the past because she was like, I can just escape and not try anymore. And then she's like, no, like some, somehow she learns like, no, I actually want to like not take any of the crap anymore. And then like, I, I see this, this movie's just premise is almost unfixable. <laughs> well, yeah. And she gets the, she gets the promotion. She does. Good job. <laughs> and then, she, well, and then she throws it away yeah, because she, it's not what she actually wanted, which it wasn't making, I I'll give her this. It didn't seem like anything of what she was doing in her life was making her have any joy. Right. Because she didn't like her relationship that she was previously in. It, there's nothing about her life that we learn about her in her apartment where like she has any sort of character where it's like she has a dog. She likes doing like this particular hobby she enjoys she doesn't she doesn't really have any character she just has her career and even you could have done a different superficial story like um austin land did you see austin land uh, no austin land yeah um it's carrie russell and she goes to this theme park that's um basically pride and prejudice setting okay um and it's kind oh, of austin land i thought it was in austin texas oh no <laughs> oh, no austin land. um and there's not even like this idea of like maybe she's just a history buff and just yeah. covets this time and now she's given this magical like if we knew her and leave schreiber were together because he was interested in time travel and was trying to prove this time travel theory and she was way into history and she like you know, was there for him because he was interesting for a while, but then she's like, you're delusional. I'm actually interested in real history. And then he brings an actual real part of history and proves her wrong. And she's just like fascinated with Hugh Jackman as um, like a subject of inquiry. And she's trying to, I don't know, she's trying to do something else in history, like get a paper published or like, um, Oh, this is why we get need tenure to... at a college. Well, yeah. This is why I need you to watch Bill and Ted. Cause that's the premise of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. What is, is they need to pass their history exam. And so they get help to in time travel to See, go through all the, and, and she was writing a treatise on the history of elevators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Elevators. Uh, what are, what a random thing too? like elevators of all the inventions that happened in 19th century. It, it feels like elevators is kind of an arbitrary, like thing. Like we, what it allows us to do is film things on high floors and not have to carry all the equipment up, but it, we're in more shape. <laughs> like it's, it's, I guess it's it, you know what it does do It's it. The elevators is really good for anybody in a wheelchair or who has to 
like use any sort of crutches or anything like that. <laughs> it's just it's the sadness of the movie. It's like, well, what are elevators good for? It's like, oh my God, what are we doing? Uh, so I think the magic sci-fi of this movie. Yes, you have a thought. No, I was just imagining like the hell that it would be to like restructure a building to have ramps that go all the way to like a 90th floor. If, sure. if elevators stopped working. Oh, yeah. How yeah. would that work? Well, I mean, we'd figure it out. Yeah. But it would be it'd be a lot of work. It would be. Anyway. Uh, Sorry. See, this is these are the stupid high-esque conversations that you have after watching this yeah. movie. So the magic sci-fi could have been interesting if they just let loose. Yeah. Just... If it was just bonkers and nothing needed to make sense. Yeah, because they don't follow through on this premise of like, okay, well, now elevators don't exist. What cause follows that? And like, okay, if elevators don't exist, then this thing didn't exist. And if this thing didn't exist, then this yeah, thing didn't no exist. Yeah, there's no cascading like time ripples. And so they could have had it so like if there was a ripple of all these catastrophic things happening, they would have been like, okay, we have to get Hugh Jackman back to 1870. He needs to stay there. Right. And then there would be like an impetus for anything. And there'd be a conflict of Meg Ryan's like, but I want him to stay. Yeah. He was cool. Yeah. And it's like, oh, but look at all this. He completed my history paper. Look at this crisis that's happening. There's no more computers now. Yeah. Yeah. What if everything, what if everybody remembered everything, but it just didn't exist anymore? Because that's what happens in this movie. Everybody remembers elevators. They just don't exist. Yeah. Um. That would have been that would have worked too. Yeah, and so now like everything's just disappearing because the elevator left. Yeah, like that or like things start changing and looking different. That would be hilarious. That would have been great. It, I mean, it wouldn't have been great. It just would have been much better than what we have. More interesting and more cohesive. Um. Okay. It. It's time for that time honored segment. Who would you have fallen in love with? Hugh Jackman. There's no question. No, there's no question. I, I like, like poor. Never Brecken Meyer. Sorry, Brecken. You are. I liked Rat Race. I liked Rat Race. You were very. You were part of that movie. You're very you. You are very you. And um, Leif Schreiber is cool, but I want to be his bud. Mm-hmm. Not Meg Ryan. Sorry, Other Meg Ryan Meg movies, Ryan. sure. Not this one. Um, yeah. Hugh Jackman, The Duke. Let's call him The Duke. The Duke. Um, and... Runner up. Runner up, his uncle. <laughs> Just because he's fancy? Yeah. He slaps. He slaps Hugh Jackman at the beginning of this movie. Slap, slap. And it's it's the most comical, supposed to be serious slap that I've ever seen. Diesel, Bell, Westinghouse. I guess so. Because he he does this. Well, no <laughs> he one limp can see what you him. did. Uh, <laughs> You're on radio, not television. Ooh. Ah! My wedding ring just came off because I tried to do the slap. Um, that's how violent it was. It was... <laughs> It wasn't. It was like, it was like if he would have taken a fish and slapped him twice very fast, it would have been a similar slap. If only it was a fish, that would have been an interesting movie. Too. That would have been uh, Monty Uncle, Python. Stop slapping me with fishes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. On on reviews of good, I, I what's what's our rating system again? Like great rom com, middling like will watch it and enjoy myself, and bad can't recommend. I'm going to put this yeah. in the bad category. This is a bad movie. This is a bad rom-com. It's a bad rom-com and it's a bad movie. It's bad for you. 
Like, I don't know what, and that's the thing. It's like James Mangold went on to make very, very good movies. I don't know what happened, but this movie just fell to pieces. Um, and who knows what caused it, but it, it just, it just happened. It fell apart. It's, it's broken. You can't put it back together. It's broken. It's broken. Just like leave Schreiber's body when he fell down the elevator shaft. <laughs> okay. On a rating of one to five leave Schreiber's broken leave Schreiber's. What would you give this movie? It feels more of it. Like is five, like what's good, like broken. This is our, this is our new is custom bad. rating system. Yeah, where every movie we'll we'll take a character and we'll make. A I rating don't want to hurt Liev Schreiber. No, no, that's okay. The less of him you put on this movie, the less he'll have to be there. Uh, this, is, it, <laughs> this is one and a half Liev Schreiber. It's broken and falling down an elevator that's shaft. One Liev Schreiber. Thank God it has Hugh Jackman. Yeah. I, the thing is, if you made a supercut of Hugh Jackman just doing his thing in this movie, I would watch all like 35, 40 minutes of that and really enjoy myself. Yeah. that's And the it might have just work. the same amount of plot. That's what they should have done. <laughs> okay. Well, this is unenjoyable, but <laughs> let's see what we're watching next week. Maybe it'll save us okay. from this horrible fate. Okay. So for next week, I'm randomizing our list and I'm just going to have you... Give me a movie or a number between 1 and 115. 72. Oh, okay. Another movie that deals with time. Oh, no. But much more straightforward. What's it about? It is about a couple of people trying to talk and get to know each other as much as they can before sunrise. Oh! Hey, see what I did? This one I'm looking forward to. Have you ever seen it? You and I watched this movie together um, when we first moved to Portland, actually. Um, that's the only time I've seen it. Do we have the other befores on this list? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. The, and the afters. I'm glad. Are there, other, are there afters? There. <laughs> no. Ever after. Ooh, Ever we have after. to add that. We have to list. add that. Yeah. But I'm glad we started with the first one. <laughs> Me too. Right, if we ever get any of the other ones and watch them, oh, watching them out of order. No, we'll watch no, them no, in order. No, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, this is Kelly saying, I love you. This is Ryan saying, I'm sorry. This movie sucked. <laughs>